0: this is section twenty four of mark twain a biography volume two this librivox recording is in the public domain mark twain a biography by albert bigelow Payne. chapter one hundred and twenty eight mark twain's absent-mindedness a number of amusing incidents have been more or less accurately reported concerning mark twain's dim perception of certain physical surroundings and his vague resulting memories his absent-mindedness, as we say. It was not that he was inattentive, no man was ever less so if the subject interested him, but only that the casual incidental thing seemed not to find a fixed place in his deeper consciousness. By no means was Mark Twain's absent-mindedness a development of old age. On the two occasions following he was in the very heyday of his mental strength. Especially, was it, when he was engaged upon some absorbing or difficult piece of literature that his mind seemed to fold up and shut most of the world away soon after his return from europe when he was still struggling with a tramp abroad he wearily put the manuscript aside one day and set out to invite f g whitmore over for a game of billiards whitmore lived only a little way down the street and clemens had been there time and again It was such a brief distance that he started out in his slippers and with no hat, but when he reached the corner where the house, a stone's throw away, was in plain view, he stopped. He did not recognize it. It was unchanged, but its outlines had left no impress upon his mind. He stood there uncertainly a little while, then returned and got the coachman, Patrick McAleer, to show him the way the second and still more picturesque instance belongs also to this period one day when he was playing billiards with whitmore george the butler came up with a card who is he george clemens asked without looking at the card i don't know sir but he's a gentleman mr clemens now george how many times have i told you i don't want to see strangers when i'm playing billiards. This is just some book-agent or insurance-man or somebody with something to sell. I don't want to see him, and I'm not going to." Oh, but uh, this is a gentleman, I'm sure, Mr. Clemens. Uh, Just look at his card, sir. Yes, of course, I see. Nice engraved card. But I don't know him and if it was st peter himself i wouldn't buy the key of salvation you tell him so tell him oh well i suppose i've got to go and get rid of him myself i'll be back in a minute whitmore he ran down the stairs and as he got near the parlor door which stood open he saw a man sitting on a couch with what seemed to be some framed watercolor pictures on the floor near his feet aha he thought i see a picture agent i'll soon get rid of him he went in with his best well what can i do for you air which he as well as any man living knew how to assume a friendly air enough but not encouraging the gentleman rose and extended his hand how are you, Mr. Clemens? he said. Of course, this was the usual thing with men who had axes to grind or goods to sell. Clemens did not extend a very cordial hand. He merely raised a loose, indifferent hand, a discouraging hand. But how is Mrs. Clemens? asked the uninvited guest. So this was his game. He would show an interest in the family and ingratiate himself in that way. He would be asking after the children next. Well, Mrs. Clemens is about as usual, I believe, and the children, Miss Susie and little Clara. This was a bit startling. He knew their names. Still, that was easy to find out. He was a smart agent, wonderfully smart. He must be got rid of. The children are, well, quite well, and pointing down at the pictures, we've got plenty of these. We don't want any more. "'No, we don't care for any more,' Skilfully working his visitor toward the door as he talked. The man, looking nonplussed, a good deal puzzled, allowed himself to be talked into the hall and toward the front door. Here he paused a moment. "'Mr. Clemens, uh, will you tell me where Mr. Charles Dudley Warner lives?' This was the chance. He would work him off on Charlie Warner. Perhaps Warner needed pictures. "'Oh, certainly,' certainly uh, right across the yard i'll show you there's a walk right through you don't need to go around the front way at all you'll find him at home too i'm pretty sure all the time working his collar out and down the step and in the right direction the visitor again extended his hand please remember me to mrs clemens and the children oh certainly certainly with pleasure Uh, good day yes uh, that's the house good-bye on the way back to the billiard-room mrs clemens called to him she was ill that day youth yes livy he went in for a word george brought me mr b s card i hope you were very nice to him the b s were so nice to us once last year when you were gone the b s why livy yes of course and i asked him to be sure to call when he came to hartford he gazed at her helplessly well he's been here oh youth have you done anything yes of course i have he seemed to have some pictures to sell so i sent him over to warner's i noticed he didn't take them with him land sakes livy what can i do which way did he go youth why i sent him to charlie warner's i thought go right after him go quick tell him what you have done he went without further delay bareheaded and in his slippers as usual warner and b were in cheerful and friendly converse they had met before clemens entered gaily oh yes i see you found him all right Charlie, we met Mr. B. and his wife in Europe last summer, and they made things pleasant for us. I wanted to come over here with him, but was a good deal occupied just then. Livy isn't very well, but she seems a good deal better, so I just followed along to have a good talk all together he stayed an hour and whatever bad impression had formed in b s mind faded long before the hour ended returning home clemens noticed the pictures still on the parlor floor george he said what pictures are those that gentleman left why mr clemens those are our own pictures i have been straightening up the room a little and mrs clemens had me set them around to see how they would look in new places the gentleman was looking at them while he was waiting for you to come down End of chapter one hundred and twenty eight mark twain's absent-mindedness read by john greenman